Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. China continues to rise both in power and prominence on the world stage. Of course, the challenges to the U.S. are multifaceted. We often think about the challenges from Russia coming primarily from a, a military standpoint. Uh, and there's so much more to it. There's so much more beyond the headlines. Uh, fantastic piece in Politico today. Four startling ways China is challenging the U.S. Uh, this is really a uh, inside look in terms of some of the more nuanced things. Sophisticated and a little uh, unnerving, I think, uh, as we really look at it. Uh, Paul McCleary covers major defense programs and acquisitions policy for Politico. And he joins us on the line. Paul, thanks for jumping on with us today. Sure thing. Thank you. Uh, brilliant piece. And uh, talk us through this just a little bit. Uh, most of us think about tensions with Beijing and we think about nuclear war. We think about military planes and jets. Sometimes we think a little bit about uh, economic challenges. Uh, but you're seeing that there's much more to it than that. Uh, yeah, there is. I mean, China, obviously, is a huge economy, um, very tech-centric uh, economy. You know, their, their commercial um, software, hardware, and, and, and tech industry is, is world-class. And, and I think that's where the Chinese are making their big push here with this, this, this thing called civil-military fusion, where you know China, being an authoritarian country, can obviously compel <laughs> the commercial uh, tech industry to work with or for the government in ways that the United States just can't, right? The United States can't tell Apple or Microsoft or Intel to, to give it software or hardware or, or work with it, but the Chinese can't. And so that is a real point where the Chinese can leap ahead of the United States and some of the, the slower kind of acquisition processes that we have in the United States. And, and this is in surveillance technology. It's in drones. It's in artificial intelligence. Um, undersea, uh, it, drones and, and, and things like that where they can go into the tech sector and say, hey, we want this capability. What do you got? They yeah. show what they have. And then, uh, you know, and then the government says, we'll take that. <laughs> and <they laughs> Thank you very much. Order and, and, <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fascinating stuff. But one of the other things you point out in your piece uh, that I thought was really intriguing uh, was just the places where China is sort of playing this long game in terms of investing and growing its influence. And it sort of has this allies and alliances approach uh, that feels really soft and squishy, but you can totally tell they're they're playing a long game. Yeah, I mean, they're doing this in investing in, um, again, commercial ports in places like Cambodia, um, Djibouti in, in Africa, uh, Equatorial Guinea. And they're giving hundreds of million dollars hundreds of millions of dollars to upgrade and and expand commercial ports with the caveat that hey the PLA PLA Navy might need to stop here to rest and refit at some point. So you open to that and for the investment, the countries say yes, it's part of a larger kind of predatory loan mm-hmm. um, uh, um, process that the Chinese have going on. So and that I mean the United States has bases all over the world. Um, you know, the, the British Navy uses it and the Chinese want that. Right. Uh, they want to be able to send an aircraft carrier halfway around the world, refit, and then and then come back and stay out for several months, which they can't do right now. Um, and then the countries, if they want this investment, then they have to agree to that. Yeah, so interesting. Uh, I thought it was very interesting this week uh, that President Biden spent significant time with uh, many of the African nations, I think, maybe feeling a little bit of that uh, in terms of what China is doing uh, in Africa in particular. Uh, and I think the U.S. is finally realizing we, we can't be left behind in those relationships. Sure, yeah. In the United States um, and European countries, they want to invest in 
building hospitals, building roads, building infrastructure in, in, in African nations, then they say, well, we'll give you this money, but you have to meet certain conditions about human rights, things like that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or rights for women. China doesn't do that. They say, here's the money. We, kind of, we don't care what you do <laughs> with your people. Um, but here's the money for this road, for this bridge, for this hospital. And, hey, we're going to want something in return. You know, high, high interest rate that they can't repay, then the Chinese gain more influence over mm. whatever the local economy is and, and things like that. So it's a way of um, – um, it's bullying in the end, and, but yeah. it's, it's becoming more and more effective, and the United States has really woken up to it. Yeah. Talk to us for a minute about some of those uh, soft components in terms of uh, what uh, China is doing out there. I remember having a conversation with a former U.S. ambassador to China and former U.S. ambassador to Russia, uh, John Huntsman Jr., and, and he talked about China. You know, the, the big fear they have is, is our is our principles and, and our way of life. Uh, and it seems like China is trying to assert some of its influence, maybe some of the things that you just talked about in terms of uh, human rights and things like that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they're doing this through through their lending. I mean, they signed a big security deal with the Solomon Islands, which the United States is very concerned about and, and what inroads that they might make there. Um, but it's also seen in you know the, the uh, TikTok, right? Yeah. The app that all of our kids have and many of us do and a lot of government people. And, um, but the company's owned by ByteDance. It's a, it's a Chinese-based company. Um, and what And they have been shown to censor some material that they think is harmful to the Chinese image or, or goes against the Chinese government's state of policy. There hasn't been a lot of it, but there's been enough that people have paid attention, right? And once you download the app, put all your information in, that information is then stored and accessible by the company and by default by the Chinese government. So I, some lawmakers like uh, Marco Rubio want to ban TikTok completely in the United States unless, they, unless it's sold, ByteDance is sold to, to a U.S. company. If that's possible, I don't know. It's we're kind of uncharted territory there, and it's difficult to ban something that you can just right. download on your phone, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that becomes that becomes quite. Yeah, I mean, but, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but, 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 but yeah, that's a very quiet, soft way to influence public perception. I mean, if they are banning certain hashtags, are banning certain videos, you don't see that. You know, it's just the opposite. You don't see it, right? right? It's, so you, it's, it's the absence of it. So you don't realize that you're missing out. On information about about Uyghurs or like Chinese human rights yeah. abuses or these lockdowns in Beijing, it's just it's just not there. So it's not you don't feel like it's being taken away from you, but that's a form of influence, right? That's that's propaganda. Yeah, you had a number of things in your your piece in terms of what the U.S. should be thinking about in terms of our our strategy, making sure we're continuing uh, to foster our influence and impact uh, around the world without really coming out in in big conflict. Uh, with China, what are some of the other things that you're watching, or things that you think we ought to be doing as a country? Yeah, I mean it's very tricky, just because China does have this multifaceted approach, right? Of of economic coercion, of you know, building new aircraft carriers and, and fifth generation fighters, and, and basing those in different places. And so it's going to be difficult for the, the United States to counter that, uh, just because we move very slowly as a government. Um, I know that. Actually, the war in Ukraine is a way that um, some of the Biden administration can see as trying to convince some countries like, like India, Vietnam, to work less with the Russians and, uh, and more with the United States. And, and it's not even just buying military, but kind of weaning off that, that economic dependence. But that affects China as well, right? Because China and Russia are very close. And 
uh, military and economically. So they're looking at this war as a way to wean these countries away from uh, Russian influence and then to kind of build up their, at least militarily, their their capabilities, pitching it as like, well, this is how you can how you can stare down China, right? Yeah. If you have F-16s or these new missile systems or, or, or things like that. So it's, it's a very interesting dance between the United States and then Russia, China, and with, with Ukraine becoming a kind of a player in this in a lot of ways. Yeah. Wow. Great insight. Uh, Paul McCleary covers major defense programs and acquisition policy for Politico. His piece in Politico is worth going and checking out today. Uh, some really deep insight there. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so really some some great insight there. This is a uh, a multifaceted thing. Sometimes it feels to me like uh, China's playing three-dimensional chess and we're kind of in this very reactionary uh checkers game uh with uh, as as Paul mentioned, sometimes our administrations, Democrat and Republican alike, uh tend to be very slow on these kinds of things and China has a multifaceted way of going about things, uh many times doing things that we wouldn't do uh, as a country in terms of coercion or bullying. Uh, and, or ignoring human rights. Uh, and so it becomes a, a very tricky thing uh, and, and always interesting. One of the other things that Paul pointed out was, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure we can be very influential, that we can maintain a position of strength uh, without coming out in open conflict uh, against China. Being provocative often tends to be the term. H.R. Uh, McMaster told us yesterday that strength is not provocative. Weakness is provocative. Uh, and that's an important part of our strategy. All right, we step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stick around. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.